April 28th. I believe at the current count, we are somewhere in the vicinity of 40 days and 40 nights in lockdown or some approximation thereof. It sounds kind of biblical that way, but I, uh, I am Dr. Ray Mitch. I am the host of a podcast that I am calling Love You Later By, the Psych Monologues, and uh, it is my delight uh, to be with you today and to spend some time with you in reflection on some of the major themes that have been a part of my teaching. Uh, I will be unabashed about uh, the fact that uh, <laughs> uh, this uh, podcast is for the seniors of my of uh, CCU psych department that are graduating. It is my small token of of uh, reflection and remembrance of of the times that they have spent at CCU laboring uh, and complaining and uh, before too long uh, looking back on stuff that they loved to hate and before too long it it matures into hating something that they actually know love so I, uh, uh, I want to uh, gleefully report to you that we have had our first donation to uh, the CCU Silent Retreat Fund. I mentioned this uh, yesterday as part of the rollout for the week in an effort to uh, become self-sustaining uh, as a uh, ministry to the college students at CCU to participate in a silent retreat and it is a unique experience you are more than welcome to uh, check it out and find out more about it i haven't gotten uh, to the point where i have broadened it to people outside of ccu uh, right now it is focused only on the students that are part of of uh, the ccu community of students but uh, that certainly is in the works if we uh, begin to uh, see an interest. So uh, you can find it at drmitch.com, drmitch, M-I-T-S-C-H.com, and then uh, click on the link for CCU and the drop down to Silent Retreats, and you can find out all about it uh, there if um, you want to find out something about it. Um, but I am, I am delighted to have our first donation, and I certainly uh, would encourage uh, anyone who's listening to pass along uh, the uh, the uh, <laughs> invitation for folks to partner with us uh, to support a, uh, a co-curricular, it's probably what it would be called at CCU, uh, activity. Uh, it is not part of the, the, the uh, mainstream ministries and things like that that are uh, normally uh, added to, I suppose, when it comes to CCU, but uh, it is something that uh, I think personally, because I have uh, a particular bias in its favor, that it is unique, and the, certainly the way that we're doing it is unique. So all that being said, just a, a quick announcement and an invitation for others to, to join in and to help us out as I, uh, as I seek to uh, have our silent retreats be fully supported and allow students that wouldn't otherwise go to be able to go. So 
there you have it. Um, now, what I what my purpose is, like I mentioned a, a, a bit ago, is to to put together this podcast. I I don't know that I had any grand visions of of uh, speaking to uh, cultural movements or things like that. Uh, it really is more a matter of speaking to the hearts of my seniors that are graduating and reminding them of the things that are true, the things that are uh, to encourage and, and to uh, build up uh, their efforts even after as they walk away from CCU and look back on their experiences there and take with them the things that um, are most profound, that most guide them, that most kind of uh, anchor their moral compass, if you will, in terms of relationships and other things like that. So uh, that is what this podcast is meant to do. Uh, Over the next five to ten more episodes of what is left of it, as far as I can tell, uh, is to uh, emphasize and reiterate and, and uh, talk at length about some of the major themes that I have talked about over the years with my students. And it will be a reminder of stu- for students that perhaps have graduated and are honoring me with listening tonight and listening uh, to this podcast series. It will be a reminder for them, for students that are, are still fresh out of their memory of CCU, then it might be uh, either a nightmare or a dream in terms of the kinds of things that, that I've talked about and pushed in front of them to consider at least. So there are some themes I want to walk my way through. And the next one I wanted to hit on. So last night, last night, yesterday, uh, I, I was talking a little bit about the idea that the journey actually matters. It's not just a matter of where we're heading and the destination we're heading to, although that is important. But the nature of the journey I'm on, the people that I include in this journey, the people that I run into during this journey is, are very much a part of uh, certainly God's plan in developing me and inviting me into deeper and deeper levels of relationship with him. Uh, but it's also it matters because I can experience eternal life now. Now that doesn't mean I live forever, but it does mean that I get a taste and a glimpse of the kinds of community that God intended me to experience. As a matter of fact, he actually designed me to experience and that's why I long for it in so many different ways. So uh, we talked a little bit yesterday about the idea that the journey matters and the choices that I make in regards to it is very important. I also mentioned a little bit about the idea that valleys have a way of connecting me to the people around me almost more profoundly than all the mountaintop experiences that I love to talk about. They're great. They're wonderful. But it's in the valleys that that a lot of times I can invite people into that experience and they can say, me too, let's Let's talk about that. And it frees us up, actually, to see the wonders of the grace of the mountaintops that we experience as well. So the second theme I want to talk about tonight is is one that I have said very many, many, many times. And it's this theme is you can't lead someone to somewhere you've never visited. In a lot of cases, as we walk with other people, 
we search our memory banks for how can we help them. And in a lot of cases, we're looking for things that we know to share with them rather than the things that we have walked through to share with them. And so what I mean by this idea is I can't lead someone to someplace I've never been. What does that mean? It doesn't necessarily mean uh, that I, I can tell them about it as much as I can invite them into it in terms of the story and the things that I know. It doesn't have to do with my skill. It doesn't have to do with uh, the kinds of things I can tell them. See, I think in a lot of cases, we tend to overemphasize the power of information. And, and believe me, I, I'm, I'm in the profession now as not only as a counselor, but also as a professor, given the name, profession, it's about information. It's about communicating about the things there is to know. But knowledge falls short when it comes to as we're walking. It's, it, a map is useful. But if I don't know the locations on that map and all that comes with it, then all it is is a location on a map rather than the, the, the guide or the person that I'm journeying with who actually knows that place and actually knows what it's like. The thing that I want to nail down tonight is that if my hope is to be a soul friend, a friend of people's hearts, which I believe in, in my deepest part of me, that that's what drew people to Jesus that they recognized that he was a friend of their hearts, not only their bodies and their physical nature. And because, I mean, we see plenty of examples of him feeding them and, and feeding their physical nature or healing them. But he, there was something else about him that drew, not just a magic show, but a healer and a friend to their hearts. Then ultimately, If I want to be a soul friend, a friend to someone's heart, then I'm going to have to find a way to become comfortable with my own. And I don't, I'm not talking about the thing that's beating in your chest. I'm talking about the fullest sense of our understanding of heart as scripture describes it, which was the seat of all the things that were core to who we were or are. So my hopes and my desires and my dreams and my will and the purposes and, and my emotions, but not only my emotions, it's so much more than that. And I ran across and I use this quote a lot and it's, it's by a, a guy by the name of Sister John Oxenham. So I'm not real sure, I'm not clear on kind of the Catholic traditions around that. But be that as it may, his quote is the thing that I want you to focus on. And it goes this way. If a man is to turn his heart towards God, he must first of all return to his heart from which he is so often absent. Now let that sink in for a second. Because if I want to be a soul friend, 
then I better be able to know my own soul to the degree that I can. To the, the, the degree that I can, that I've taken the time to wander the landscape of my own heart, to know the nature of it. Now, there are plenty of people that, that love and hate the, the movie and the, and the book, The Shack. But there is one scene in there that is a remarkable scene that is described or it's portrayed in the movie. And that is that Mac, the main character, walks into a garden and it is a absolute riot of colors and plants and all sorts of things. And as he's walking into it, he says, this is a mess. And the character that portrays the Holy Spirit says, yeah, and it's a delight. It's an absolute delight. And that's what we're, that's what I am making a case for, is that I'm not, I, I'm not talking at all about whether you're going to be a counselor for somebody else or anything like that. But what is the nature of me journeying with somebody else? And what I can offer them is to be a lover of their heart, a lover of their soul. And that also requires me to be able to know and understand my own heart because it is the basis of my empathy toward them. If I'm describing something out of an encyclopedia, I have no dog in the fight. I have no uh, uh, intimate knowledge of it. But as I invite someone to explore their own heart, after I've taken the, the time to do that with myself, then my level of em empathy soars and I tread exceedingly carefully as I listen rather than looking for things to fix or to point out in terms of the things that they know. Maybe it's a matter of the places that I can enter with caution and care and listen and allow them to to uh, portray that see the thing to keep in mind is is that our behavior betrays what we believe it's not the other way around my pronouncement of my beliefs falls pretty shallow if my behavior doesn't follow and so i if i believe that the heart matters that everything about me that's core to who I am matters. And I have taken the time to educate myself, would be one way to put it, or taken the time to wander the landscape of my own heart and understand the places that are desert and the places that are verdant and alive and the places that I've actually fenced away and condemned. And I understand that then my ability to actually lead people to their own hearts are greatly increased because I understand with trepidation what it looks like. And I have been able to do that. The same thing is true for the nature of community that we engage in as well. See, we, we have a propensity, I think, to complain or target the community we are in and my question to you is is what is the nature of community that you create not the one that you are a part of but the one that you create
because oftentimes it betrays our beliefs about our hearts. And that is, it's a convenient concept. It is something that I can talk about, but not really know very well. And the challenge of entering into another person's journey is being able to invite them to go to that place. And I, I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to um, walk around that place. And one of the most profound moments in time that I have had, even as a counselor, and listening to people that have, have um, condemned their hearts, condemned their emotions, and the way that I know that is that they never talk about it. They just segment it away. And they're great at describing their experiences in the facts of the situation, not all the other things that make them human, which includes their emotions. Why? I had somebody once say this to me. I said, you know, why don't you want to talk about your feelings? And, and the person said, because they're gross. Which one way to put it, another way to put it, I should say, is therefore I am gross. Because if we're not going to be willing to embrace all of us, not just part of us, then my ability to actually engage other people, to invite them and encourage them to do the same, is severely limited. And I'm literally a guide to a location that I've only heard about. Not a, a guide that has been there and know the, the, the challenges that one faces in going into those places. See, the, the guides that have visited and know their own heart are the ones that have learned the hardest lessons about living in grace with, excuse me, living in grace with themselves, with their self, literally. That's harder, that sounds, that it's easier than it sounds. Because in a lot of cases, we, we believe in grace when it comes to our salvation but then we work our butts off the rest of our lives to prove that we're worthy of it, which is an insult, I might add, to the gift giver of that grace. So this evening as you're considering, or today as you're considering, whatever it is that you're uh, uh, listening to the podcast, is what's, what's the condition of my own heart? And if I have a hard time answering that, maybe I should take the time to take a little walk and check out what's going on in there. Now, I, I, I think I can safely say that the minute I say that, somebody's going to be scratching their head in the car or wherever they're listening to it, which might get, get a little dangerous with the car, but, and say, what in, what in the world are you talking about? I mean, walking around the landscape, you're, what, what does that even mean? And maybe what we have to consider is finding ways to do that. You know, if I were to sit down and say, what's the condition of my heart? Where would I start? Maybe I have struggled with an addiction for a long, long time, which says something about the condition of my heart. Or I have a relationship that I'm estranged from because of 
a misunderstanding or an overinterpretation or a thing that expectation that was not met or whatever it might be or even more importantly there are are there areas of me which gets us closer to this conversation of the heart are there things about me that i have summarily condemned because i am convinced that if anyone knew them the way i know them they would hate it just like i hate it no i i i'm not sitting here waxing eloquent about the nature of whatever that struggle might be i'm not i'm not the one that's between you and jesus to talk it through but the one thing i do know is that if i condemn parts of myself then my ability to give those parts of myself away or even any part of myself away is limited it's limited because I'm sure that if someone knew it the way I knew it, they'd hate it too. And when I'm around people that are gracious, that are grace-giving, then they invite me to go into those places and reclaim those areas that I have condemned. And what happens then is I become more whole. I become more complete. As a matter of fact, when you get right down to it, I claim the shalom that Jesus is offering me in this life right now. So, some food for thought for the, for the daytime or evening, whenever it is you're listening. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope to see you here again tomorrow. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. Love you. Later. Bye. Thank you.